Hi there, and thanks for joining us. On this week's podcast, we're going to take a look at a part of UCC that supports researchers to develop their business. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. The Red Business Podcast with Jonathan Healy and McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first, MIG.ie. So let's talk about Sprint and Gateway at UCC. Miriam Cronin is uh, with Gateway and she's with me now. Miriam, first of all, tell us what it is because there there are many things going on in UCC and uh, maybe not everybody is familiar with the work that you do. Hi, uh, yes, um, I run the Gateway programme and the Sprint programme. This Gateway programme is our physical infrastructure, our um, incubator, our business hub, and we have uh, 24 business units uh, for startups from the university using technology from the university. And the Sprint programme then I developed back um, four years ago to um, assist uh, the researchers before they spin out companies and start companies to help them um, I suppose, get their uh, ideas together on how to run a business. Um, it's the, it, I suppose it's the A to Z of uh, running a business and it gives them all the um, information they need to make the right decisions at the right time. Because you've got lots of people who are in labs who are really brilliant at what they do, but they might not necessarily understand how to translate that to a business success. But what's clever about this is that UCC not only supports them, but if it becomes a commercial success, then the, the university benefits and it helps the next generation of research. That's right. Yes, um, the companies that I would deal with in Gateway and on the Sprint programme, the university has a shareholding in those companies um, and it's in the university's interest for those companies to succeed. And we have had quite a number of successes actually over the last number of years. Um, We've supported 60 companies. We have supported 40 researchers now on our Sprint programme. And those companies that have been supported through Gateway now have uh, 370 plus jobs and they... um, Turnover. They have significant turnover. They have raised investment of over forty million between them, and they pay in salaries each um, per annum into the economy about twenty two million. Okay, so it's not bad. Now, do, do you always bring uh, success stories from the program with you, or have you just brought two of them here today? Is this an unusual day for you to bring these guys with you everywhere? Well, I will from now on, actually, because they're a real PR piece for <laughs> Gateway and for Sprint. Well, let's introduce the two people you brought with us. We've got Linda O'Higgins and uh, we've got Mark O'Sullivan. Mark, I'm going to turn to you first of all. You work with the Infant programme. So first of all, tell us what Infant does. So, yeah, I suppose my background is I'm an electronic engineer um, and I'm doing a PhD. And in the last couple of months of a PhD with the Infant Research Centre and the Embedded Systems Research Group, which is in the School of Engineering. Um, now, I've understood some words there, but not sorry, all. Yeah. But let's let's break it down to the basics of what you're actually doing. You and your project Great. help little babies um, that may have trouble before anyone realizes that there's trouble there. Exactly. So I'm working on the Neurobell project, and our aim is to develop um, a screening tool for the early detection of brain injury in newborns. Um, so specifically looking at seizures and um, HIE, which is due to lack of oxygen. And I suppose the issue is that newborns don't show the same physical signs as adults do when they're injured. So having a a method to monitor uh, the babies is is vital. And existing systems for monitoring newborns um, rely on heavily trained, um, highly trained clinicians, which aren't available across all hospitals. So we've developed a portable device, which will be 
universal across all hospitals, which is only takes a couple of minutes to apply and you get real time results. Now, you don't do it to every baby, I'm presuming. It's only ones where you might have a, a, a exactly. clinical risk. So we'd identify the babies that are high, at high risk for brain injury and, and we'll get an early diagnosis on them so that treatment can be started early because unfortunately with these babies, treatment needs to begin within a couple hours of birth. And unfortunately, with existing um, monitoring, it's quite tough to, to, to get it within that window. So with our device, we're hoping that we can apply it and diagnose the brain injury within hours and then begin treatment within that kind of vital window of six hours. And are you looking at doing this in the hospital setting, obviously, but at the cot side or where? Exactly. So we're kind of looking at a couple of different avenues. So most babies in, in, in Ireland, I suppose, there's, there's 19 maternity hospitals. Only four have treatment facilities. So there's a number of babies who have to be transferred. Um, to different hospitals so we're kind of aiming at getting this even into the hands of the the obstetricians where directly after birth they'll be monitored their their brain activity will be monitored Um, so we're looking at the neonatal ICUs every baby inside the neonatal ICU who's at risk for brain injury will have their their brain function monitored and then looking outside of that you have the ambulatory um, setting in terms of in in, in transport between tertiary and, and regional hospitals um, and there's also a number, a number of other avenues that we're looking at okay. as well. Now, you said electrical engineering was your thing exactly. when you went to college. Uh, I'm, if it brought you back to first year and said, do you know what you're going to end up doing, Mark? You're yeah. going to end up uh, developing a system that will diagnose brain injury in babies where doctors previously wouldn't have done it. I'm guessing first year you wouldn't have kind of got to join the dots, would he? No, not a clue. I mean, even by the time I finished my degree, I went to did a master's in, I suppose, audio electronics um, and music and technology. And I was really just trying to find my oh, path. The rock and roll was coming out in you, exactly. was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was too, too tough to, uh, to get away from it. And, and who set you on the right path to something that might actually make money? Well, it, it, yeah, <laughs> no, like it, it was just a case of like eventually finding out the kind of research path that I that I preferred and kind of I suppose I realized that I didn't like the low level engineering so much and preferred always being at a higher level and being able to see kind of idea going through design, going through to product. Um, and that's really what what drove me, I suppose, into into the region I'm in now. I mean, it would be easier not to be an entrepreneur. It would be easier to kind of take, take the ball and run with it for somebody else. Yeah. Um, but do you see yourself now mapping a course whereby you are the master of your own destiny as opposed to uh, designing it for somebody else? Yeah, 100%. I mean, the, the aim with this is to, to develop a spin-out company out of UCC. Um, and I'll, I'll, I suppose through the, the Sprint program, I've begin to, began to look at how to look at the research I'm doing outside of the academic bubble and how that translates into the real world. And I suppose with the, the expert sessions that we do with the Sprint program, it's kind of started to show me the real method for how to kind of look at the research from a commercial point of view. Okay, and real-world applications as well. Um, let's uh, let's turn, if I can, to you, Linda. Linda O'Higgins. Um, you work in fish oils. It's probably the the worst possible introduction I can give to you. That's right. Uh, yeah, but uh, tell me a little bit about what you did as a researcher. Hi, Jonathan. Thanks very much for having me here. Um, yeah, so I'm um, a marine scientist. I specialise in marine microbiology, um, and I've been looking at um, these oily algae, if you like, for the past twenty years or so. Um, and I guess over the past 10 years, past 12 years, um, I've recognised through my, both my academic research and also consultancy work that I've continued in parallel to, to you know, to enhance a work-life, better work-life balance for myself. Uh, I've realised uh, that there's been um, identified a, an ever-growing gap in the supply of these essential oils uh, from the traditional source, which is 
largely the Peruvian anchovy. There's so in other words, so a lot of the omega three oils, all the good oils that are <coughs> we're told to take, and they're good for our brain, yes, and it's maybe yes. part of a regular diet, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, they're, they're all coming from the one kind of fish. Well, eighty-five to ninety percent come from two types of fish from the Peruvian anchovy and from the sardine, which we have, you know, ubiquitously, or there had been historically ubiquitous, in waters around our own shores, you know. Um, but I'd imagine that <coughs> there is a rather limited supply of both sardines and Peruvian anchovy, so no, therefore we are, we're eaten into that supply quite literally. That's right, that's right. So these, these fisheries have been intensively, um, uh, uh, intensively fished for the past 50, 60 years. So the UN, for example, Fisheries and Agriculture Organisation, um, have classified the Peruvian anchovy from where we get 80% of our current omega-3 fish oil supply as um, the most heavily exploited fishery in world history. So therefore, no more than Mark uh, identified a bit of a market for what he was doing, Mm -hmm. you identified a bit of a market for what you were doing as well and maybe sourcing that type of oil from somewhere else. So therefore, where are we going to get it from? That's right. Well, it's not just, I, I wouldn't take credit for, for it myself, Jonathan. It's been recognised um, by the aquaculture industry um, as, as a, 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 a growing, uh, uh, an emerging problem um, to, to, in order to, to sustain the quality of farmed fish as an alternative to wild fish. Uh, you need to feed them this omega-3. Uh, so as a contract uh, consultant for the Scottish Aquaculture Research Foundation, um, I undertook an industry survey um, on, on uh, yeah, after the birth of my second child, in order to to accommodate, you know, the the needs, uh, uh, her needs uh, as a stay at home mother, I, I did a desk based uh, consultancy. Okay, so in other words, you, you didn't even have to leave the house no. to apply this research. That's right. Yeah. Yes, so it was born organically, you know, and 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 and, and mutualistically uh, out of the industry's need for, in this case, the aquaculture industry. So do we do also the infant nutrition sector? Yeah. So in other words, you were using your your science and your it, motherhood to, to actually further the cause. Yeah. So what do we do? Do we feed the algae to um, fa- fish that are yeah. being bred in captivity? So that that's what occurs. That's what occurs in nature. Uh, the microalgae that I'm proposing that to, to cultivate under artificial conditions uh, in a in a bioreactor that I now have a commercialisation fund from Enterprise Ireland to develop, um, they would grow naturally. Uh, in coastal waters and form the base of the the marine food web, so the anchovy forage on these they graze on them. Okay, like we like we nibble on things at home ourselves. The fish need sure. them too. Yeah. You're at a slightly different point in your journey to Mark. So you've been yeah. a researcher yeah. a little bit longer, if I can put yeah. it that way. Uh, is that would that be fair? That's that that's right. Mark is close to turning into his PhD. You know, I I remember the day I did that. Uh, I don't want to put a you know no, don't put a figure on it. But what, what I'm but the reason I'm saying that, that is yeah. uh, again this is an entrepreneurial road that perhaps you mightn't have thought you were going to go down at some stage in your career. True, true enough. Um, yeah, uh, and, and uh, you know, going on to postgraduate research uh, as an ecologist, I did my PhD in, in NUI Galway on the ecology of these microorganisms, uh, wouldn't lend itself really. Any of the learnings that I acquired or any of the experiences that I had there wouldn't necessarily lend themselves to, uh, you know, to the, uh, the somewhat less charted path of an entrepreneur. However, I come from a fairly entrepreneurial family 
Um, my parents were very enterprising throughout, you know, my childhood. And what did they, what did they do? Obviously not in this area. N- no, no, they're not scientists. No, but they would have been in entertainment, hospitality. Um, they would have, you know, they had their, they, they, they ran a video store, for example, uh, prior to that. But you in see, New York, you, know, you know what the hard work that become yes, an entrepreneur so, is. So it's about using resources efficiently. That's the bottom line, isn't it? It's the, it's the, it's the lean startup model that has been around for for you know, quite a, 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 you know quite some time. I mean, so well, you, you are the unlikely hero for the Peruvian anchovy. If you well, can I'm manage to save a few of them, it'll be worthwhile. Well, possibly, yeah, they do be rebound rather quickly. Um, so, you know, I mean, if the pressure was released from them, certainly I would expect that there would, even despite, you know, ocean, you know, ocean surface warming, that they would adapt and that they would start to, to, to rebuild their stock sizes. But I'm targeting more specifically the infant nutrition sector, which doesn't like the fishy smell, doesn't yes. like the uncertain supply chain, doesn't like the lack of transparency in the existing supply chain uh, for, uh, for, for supply of this essential and ingredient. Of course, and you know yourself uh, as a parent how important that is. Yeah. Miriam Cronin, if I can turn back to you, um, again, this is another example of the university sector uh, supporting researchers in a way that they usen't do before. It's the kind of thing where 20 years ago these two guys would have been told, congratulations, you have a great idea, now off with you. Now they have an opportunity to give back to the university and for the university to support them. It, it, it's a welcome turn in, in how we deal with this type of research. Yes, absolutely. And I suppose it's, um, I suppose it's a way of making the... Um, Technologies get into the hands of clinicians, get and um, create societal impact and change, and um, make a profit for the university eventually. When these companies and you can just uh, you, uh, have a sample of the companies here today. Uh, you must yeah. look though at all the different researchers that are there and coming forward. You you have a galaxy of riches uh, in the university. It must be tough to choose between them. Well, actually, what we try and do is take 10 of the best, 10 of the nearest market every year and train them up in the entrepreneurial skills and everything they need to know about starting a business. And it's a very practical course, the Sprint course, because it's run by business practitioners and um, people that would have started and scaled grown businesses are now investors in businesses. So it's all very practical, the advice that's been given. Um, And uh, as part of uh, UCC research innovation team, um, we're always looking for commercial leads to help these companies to scale and grow and people that might be interested in being a team member in these startup businesses. Um, the scale up businesses from the university, as I say, the um, companies using the IP of the university um, and, and to get them to their, their route to market and get them their first investment. Okay, well, for anyone looking for information, they should just search for UCC and Gateway and Sprint and it'll bring them to your page. But for now, Miriam Cronin of Gateway and Linda O'Higgins and Marco Sullivan, we wish you the very best of luck in your future endeavours and thank you all for joining us on Red Business. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks very much. My thanks to Miriam and everybody at Gateway in UCC. Don't forget you can download every episode of Red Business from redextra.ie. Mia Hennessy produced and we'll catch you on the next one. Red Business with McCarthy Insurance Group. Putting business in Cork first. MIG.ie.